0: Today on the ZADCast, ma'am, you can call me just about anything you want. Just don't call me a sports expert. Drew Olson of the Big 920 in Milwaukee joins me to talk about the perils of flying colors in enemy territory. And why don't the masses love Brady and Belichick like Jordan and the Bulls? All that, and hey, look out. That's my emotional support duck you just stepped on. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up, and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! And so we meet again. Welcome to the ZabeCast, everybody. January 23rd, 2018. We are in the stretch of two weeks of not football up until Super Bowl 52. The glow and the aftermath and the excitement of the two championship games has worn off just a bit. Seems to wear off quicker and quicker these days where you get a sugar high for a day and then... As a football junkie, you are conditioned to just want more. Whoa! Well, when's the next game? Well, not for two weeks, basically. How many games are there? Just, just one game. There's the Pro Bowl coming up in Orlando. The Pro Bowl is something that's interesting in that many years ago, it was kind of a cool thing. And by many, many, I mean 30-plus years ago. It was a... All right, let's go to Hawaii and put a bow on the season. We're going to see all the NFL stars sorted out by conference, and they're going to play one last tackle football game. And, yeah, it's not going to be the most spine-rattling of games, but it's going to be a football game where there's actual, you know, tackling and blocking and stuff like that. Then over the years, and nobody is sure exactly when this happened, and believe it or not, footage on YouTube of past – Pro Bowls is surprisingly sparse, but somewhere along the line, the players really stopped giving a shit, and the quality of play deteriorated in the Pro Bowl to the point which I want to say seven years ago, maybe ten, the years fly by now, seven or ten years ago, seven or eight years ago, eight or nine, nine or ten, whatever, uh, the commissioner said that well, maybe we should just cancel the Pro Bowl. It's funny because I'm not sure anyone would really care if they canceled the Pro Bowl. I'm not sure that there would be any great hue and cry. Nobody's going to chain themselves to a street sign uh, in protest and say, I'm not going to come out from this. or "I'm." No one's going to climb a billboard like a DJ and say, I'm not coming down until they bring back the Pro Bowl. But at the same time, the thought of just giving something up, the thought of killing something that had been part of the NFL landscape, I guess, just seemed unthinkable. And, like most things, ERA, we have major corporations sponsoring this event. I don't know if they really made a lot of money on the Pro Bowl. I don't know how many sponsors bought the Pro Bowl independent of buying other NFL properties. But whatever the case, they, after it got right to the brink, and I, I think the Players Association... They were the ones that said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Cancel the pro bowl. Kill the pro bowl. No, we can't have that." Even though we're not giving any effort anymore whatsoever. It's become not even glorified touch football. It's become joke football of, "Ah yeah, he's running for a touchdown. Okay, let him go." The players I think said, "No, we we would like this thing." So they kept it. And they started tweaking it. They started high, you know, getting ex players of some renowned television personalities, Dion, Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, etc., to be the captains of the respective teams and to have a draft and to, you know, spice it up that way. Then the NFL said, hey, I got a great idea. Why don't we put it on this weekend that is coming up between the AFC-NFC championship games and the Super Bowl? And let's go ahead and uh, fill that void. And so they did when it was doable and it's not always doable cuz the schedule this week or this year it's again on a on the day before or the week end before it's coming up this week and it's in Orlando which is easier to get to it's not as exciting or sexy as the Pro Bowl in Hawaii once was you can bring your family though there's Disney World they've got the athletic facilities there to do all the other sort of drills and skills which i don't know call me a sucker but i I kinda like those. The drone drop and the target throw and the flag football game and the celebrity game or what what all these games that they have. I'm okay with it. And the game itself, I don't remember the last time I really watched much of the Pro Bowl. I don't know if the play has gotten any better per se. I'm not sure you want to actually try to make it any better because injuries are so devastating in this sport, and contracts are so difficult to come by. But at least we'll have that this weekend. In other topics, thank you for all the feedback that you've been sending me about the Zabe Cast. I really do appreciate it, and there's been a lot of good thoughts. I think, however, I'm at the point where I'm going to gently turn the spigot off of feedback in general, and I'm just going to take suggestions of Hey, Zabe, I'd really love it if you said, if you told the story of this, or I'd really love it if you could explain this, or why don't you do a few minutes talking about that? In other words, play requests, sort of like a DJ. That would be better for me at this point because I think for every bit of advice, this length is just right. No, that's too long. Actually, you should do this. Certain people who are very dedicated. Zabe fans and listeners say, yeah, "Yeah, I heard you do that thing with the Brady avocado slicing thing on your own show, and I listened to that as well. I, I, I don't, I don't think you should reuse material. And for those people, I go, I totally understand that, and I wrestle with that, going, eh, maybe should I keep the podcast or the Zabe Cast completely, one hundred percent different, and stuff you would not hear otherwise on my other shows." Then part of me says, yeah, but not everyone listens to those other shows. Or they might listen to it when they can, but they don't download it. This might be the only podcast they download. And on and on and on. The same thing with the expletives and the swearing and different mindsets about that. Should I? Should I not? Is it lazy? Is it too much? Is it gratuitous? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm at the point where there's been so much feedback that it's all starting to just kind of feed back. The feedback's feeding back. The feedback is all conflicting against each other. So it's a big pile of everyone has their own different ideas. So I'm just going to have to kind of figure this out on my own and just try to be, well, interesting, entertaining, bring on quality guests, bring on quality rotating features and segments, and hope you guys stick with me on this and tell two friends. I guess that's all I can do. Someone the other day asked me about a game probably one of the two games in the championship weekend, and they asked for my, quote, expert opinion. I got a chuckle out of that, and I immediately said, huh, I'm no expert. Trust me on that. And then I got to thinking about what qualifies as a sports expert. Then I got to thinking, well, what qualifies as expertise? There is no test Universal test across all spectrums for, oh, you are now an expert. You've passed the expert test. I think in certain industries and in certain areas of study, if you've put in a certain number of hours, if you have a certain number of degrees in you know, Middle East affairs, then you can be deemed a so called expert. I'm not sure there are any sports experts because sports are the ultimate unpredictable reality show before they ever invented reality shows sports are where holy shit happens and so no one can predict holy shit nobody can see holy shit coming sometimes they have a hunch at it but they don't know and that's the eternal allure of sports so whenever someone says to me well I want your expert opinion I immediately say well, I'm no expert so let's let's not go there i would prefer if people said well I would like your, let's call it, respected sports opinion. Now that's something I guess I can get behind because I am in the opinion business. I've been in the opinion business for 26 years, 27 now. I count 91 as my first professional year as I got out of college at UC Santa Barbara and had a talk show on 1250 KTMS AM radio in Santa Barbara, California. One of the most beautiful places on earth to live. Why'd you leave? Ah, it's a long story. It's a long story. It's a short story. It's a story of I felt like I was a young man that wanted to go out and do things in other parts of the country and bigger markets. And so I didn't feel like retiring at the age of 24. Now, I could have carved out. I could have been the pope of sports in Santa Barbara, California. Could have been the biggest fish in that small pond and probably stayed there my whole life. But now well, I said I want to go do some things. It's a beautiful place, though. So I got my first job at KTMS Radio AM 1250, and I did a one-hour show at night, Sports Watch. Sports Watch. And that was where I started giving out sports opinions professionally for $12,000 a year. $12,000 a year. No, hold on a second. Check that. Uh, it was $14,000 a year, fourteen dollars and change because – I remember my bi-weekly paycheck was twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Or no, no, excuse me. My monthly was twelve fifty. And my bi-weekly was six twenty-five. So you do the math. I'm not good at math. Twelve twelve fifty times twelve is you know somewhere north of fourteen grand. I was never richer in my whole life. <laughs> Twenty four years old and doing Radio in Santa Barbara, California, I made fourteen grand and change at ktms I made another six grand doing the u c s b basketball games. It was two hundred dollars a game, independent contractor money. They played about thirty games a year. You do the math there, six grand. I was clearing over twenty grand a year single uh rented an apartment actually shared a room in a house with two other young roommates that was not more than a quarter mile from the bluff tops of the ocean of Santa Barbara, California. Never richer. No cares in the world, no obligations. Does it sound like I'm getting nostalgic and misty? Uh, Maybe I am, just a little bit. But anyway, that was when my sports opinion career began. And I am no expert. All I know is that I've got 27 years of trying to form the best opinion I can the most informed opinion I can about sports and about what has happened, what will happen, and what should happen. And I'm wrong as much as anybody else. And nobody gets paid for being right either. I recently saw a piece about Colin Cowherd, who has done spectacularly well for himself. One of the top earning opinion, sports opinionists on television and radio in the country. I think he's making about $6 million a year combined and he said in an interview he goes so if I'm wrong about Big Ben or something like that eh? so what I'm in the interesting business he says I'm in the interesting business see this is where I do diverge from Coward in this regard and obviously his way has worked incredibly although it's not just him not caring if he's wrong about things I personally still believe that I should try as hard as I can to be right as often as I can, whether it's on a prediction, whether it's on an analysis of the best course of action, and even if I'm wrong, I will always own up to being wrong once it's been revealed to me that I was dead wrong. I like to be honest with my listenership. I like to be not somebody who can be self-effacing not somebody who is just going to ignore and shrug off and then walk the other way when you lay a giant turd of a bad opinion in the bowl behind you. But, you know, Coward is, he's got no qualms about that. He has laid some whoppers uh, of recent vintage where he doesn't care. Like he said, he's in the interesting business. But to me, at some point, your credibility has to be hey, I'm going to listen to what so-and-so says, whether it's Cowherd or me or anyone else, because it's a educated, informed, and if not expert opinion, it's at least a respected opinion. But being right, don't pay. I've said that for a while now, and it's always been true. Another example is Merrill Hodge was one of the few guys on ESPN that had the balls and had the vision to say Tim Tebow's terrible. He'll be out of the league in two years. He can't throw. He's not good. And this was at the height of Tebow mania. He was dead right, 1,000% right, backed up by his expertise in football, having played and been an analyst. Meanwhile, Skip Bayless was riding the Tebow train, was saying all kinds of ludicrous things about Tebow. He's just a winner. He's a baller. I love him. He's great. A very shrewd of Bayless. Because there was a lot of people that loved Tim Tebow for who he was as a person, as a Christian, as a man, and they loved that about him and college football fans as well. And so he staked out a position that was one that, you know, didn't matter if he was wrong, saying Tim Tebow's great, he can play, absolutely give him a shot. Uh, He was on the right side of where the popular, I guess, sentiment was. And now Skip Bayless makes even more money than Coward over at FS1. Who knows how long it'll last. And last I checked, I don't think Merrill Hodge is on TV anymore. So there's your lesson for the day. Being right probably doesn't always pay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. Of course, I'm always ready to talk to my man, Drew Olson, host on the Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow, lots of news happening up there. Amazing. Drew Daddy, you fire your head coach in the NBA. You're you're making a bid on you, Darvish up there?
1: After the house cleaning at 1265 Lombardi Avenue,
0: yeah. That's true. House cleaning, but with the head cleaner still in charge. Or at least the head coach still in charge. Yes. All right. Good to talk to Drew today. We got a lot of ground to cover. Let's start with the conference championship game's from the weekend, uh, what was your broad thoughts on both games, starting with the Jaguars Patriots come from behind thriller? Question
1: mark. Uh, thriller, yeah. Well, it was. It, can it be thrilling when it's predictable? When the, That's
0: what I'm wondering. When
1: the Patriots are down 10 in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, you say Brady's got him right where he wants him. Son of a bitch! If he didn't do it again.
0: Yeah, there were people saying that. Now people are saying, and this is how it usually turns a day later. Hey, man, stop saying the Jaguars did great to get close. They fucked up. They lost the game. They had them dead to rights. And it was conservative play calling and bad coaching that did them in. Doug Marone should be ashamed. Not this pat on the back. They're there. You, you, you gave the champs a real run for their money. No? Uh,
1: no. Well,
0: yes. How do you feel about that, Mr. Fung?
1: I just feel like um, everybody's just got to bend the knee. They're the greatest outfit ever. Brady's the best ever. They're indomitable. And if you're going to make a run at the king, you better not miss.
0: (laughs) Right. You better finish the deal. Finish
1: the deal. And, okay, everybody's relitigating that end of the first half. That was curious. And one of the things I, I noticed on Twitter is you see NFL players from other teams going, What the fuck? Why aren't they trying to score? Why are they taking a knee? They bent the knee at the end of the first half and then they did it at the end of the fourth quarter too.
0: 53 seconds with two timeouts is a very long time in the NFL. Because look at what the Eagles did comparatively with 29 seconds. And I think one timeout they got into field goal range on that alone.
1: Yeah, they, they had to, and they, they were they were feeling it. That's the time to step on it. But I guess, you know, everybody's, hey, let's just, you know, let's 30 minutes. Let's make this a 30-minute game. It's the Herb Brooks, you know, play your game. Play your game at the play end of the your you game. Know, Keep
0: playing your game, yeah. exactly. So then you've got the Eagles-Vikings game, which you as a Packer fan, I know the Vikings are the team you love to shit on and laugh at. Was it especially delicious to see the Viking tears flowing so freely? After it, that game,
1: it was reminiscent of the Packers in that Falcons game. It was over so early. And right. didn't I coin on this podcast the refractory period you did. Uh, theory? Fact,
0: you nailed it. <laughs> I did. And, and not only did you nail that, and, and Drew will forever be known as the refractory period theory in sports, but it got me to thinking about, hey, wait a minute. I really do think the Vikings had shot their wad. The only thing that's tough, though, for you, Drew, is that historically – Teams coming off anything dubbed a miracle tend to win their next game, if not win at all. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that.
0: Yes. Uh, Jason McIntyre, I think, writing for the big lead, uh, pretty much took his own colleague, Colin Coward, to task. Because Coward had a similar take, which is the rule is bet big against a team that just had a miracle finish or a miracle win. And he went wow. through all the other miracles, and found that actually the opposite's true. Believe it or not.
1: Wow, that's that is antithetical. I, I guess I must have missed the Colorado Rockies World Series parade then.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't <laughs> hold in every case. Well, okay, there's outliers. Actually, it was not. It was not Jason McIntyre. It was Jason Lisk. But it was for the big lead, and the headline is Colin Coward's miracle game theory is spectacularly wrong. Coward tweeted sports rule after a team wins a game called a miracle. Bet large sums of money against them following the, the following week. Okay, miracle on ice. Let's start with that miracle. They did go. They they were down uh, to Finland, uh, but they ended up beating them. After her, Brooks said, "If you don't win the gold and all you did was beat the Russians, you will take it to your grave." And then starts to walk out and turns around and says, <laughs> "To your fucking grave." <laughs> They ended up winning that game. I don't know if they covered, but whatever. Music City Miracle, Titans over the Bills, Drew. Wildcard weekend back in 1999. A week later, they went on the road to beat the Colts and Peyton Manning. Ooh, no refractory period there. They actually went on to the Super Bowl that year. That was the Music City Miracle year. Miracle at the Meadowlands, Herm Edwards. Returning the botched Joe Pisarczyk to Larry Zonka fumble. For a game-winning touchdowns, the Eagles had been a desolate franchise, had not the, made the playoff appearance in 18 years, but went to 7-5 and five with that win. A week later, they went on the road uh, at the Cardinals and won as an underdog and made the playoffs. So there's another one there. Yeah. Miracle at Michigan, 94, Cordell Stewart. Hail Mary to Michael Westbrook. The next week, they go to number 16, Texas. Rashawn Salam runs crazy. Colorado wins a shootout 34-31. Bing, another winner. Mile-high miracle. Joe Flacco to Jacoby Jones, 70-yard touchdown pass. What'd they do the next week? They went to New England and won onto the Super Bowl, where they won and took home the trophy. Monday night miracle. Jets down 30-7, October twenty-second, 2000, entering the fourth quarter. Came all the way back to win in overtime. That gets to 6-1. They go to Buffalo the next week and lose 23-20. Okay, there's one for you right there. Also, how about Auburn's kick six? They won the SEC championship a week later. So I'm not trying to poo-poo your no. great moment of glory, Drew, of no. the refractory period, because you were right this one time. And, and for that, you've got uh, right, the banner to hang. The
1: refractory period was the cherry on top of a Sunday that I built on the idea that Case Keenum and the Vikings <laughs> hadn't thrived against a good defense. They whopped up on your Redskins in November. Yes.
0: And after oh, that... Oh, la, 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 la. Yeah. up. It was well, 38 38-30. Well, I we mean... scored 30 on them when I'm nobody just talking about all their season offense. Had scored 30 on Minnesota. I'm talking
1: about their offense. Okay. 38 points. That's sure. That's the high-water mark of the season. Yes. After that, 24-7 against the Rams.
0: Our defense sucks, by the way. Yes.
1: 30-23 against the Lions. Then they 14-9 against the Falcons, who aren't a great defense. Um, 31-24, they lost to the Panthers. They scored 34 against the Bengals, who are non-existent. They, sc- they only scored 16 against the Packers, 23 against the Bears, and then, yeah, they scored against the Saints, but the Saints suck. I was, there's not a great defense there in that mix. From Agreed. November 12th on, they didn't face a great defense, and the Eagles are a great defense, the they best are. defense that they were going to face. So I just figured, hey, this there's going to be a market correction
0: here. So what's your early lean on the Super Bowl?
1: Oh, it's all Patriots. i will be stunned if the Eagles win. Really? Yeah, bend the knee, man. It's the the six. We can only hope that the band breaks up after this triumphant farewell concert, you know, that afterwards they announce that the band is breaking up, they're going their separate directions. That that would be the ultimate.
0: You do know that every Patriots Super Bowl has been close.
1: It has, yes.
0: Every single one of them.
1: Did Nick Foles start any of those? <laughs> no.
0: Okay, not just, just checking. Okay, <laughs> not but to my knowledge. No, Your Honor. I, I,
1: I think this. I'm hoping for a competitive game because what the hell else are we going to do on that Sunday? But come on, I mean the Patriots yeah. are going
0: to win this. All right, are you going to be up there in Minneapolis? Yes. No. Wow. Well, how Damn about it. you?
1: We're passing up on um, Radio Row.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm 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 going. Uh, the station's sending and I'm taking. I I, we, I don't care. If they're gonna send I'm gonna take I'm gonna well, eat that's the biggest stakes, file the fattest expense reports.
1: My company decided, you know, with the Packers not in it, let's save the money and it's the you know, that's the bullshit programming with Hey, let's.
0: All right, hey, uh, Jerome Bettis is here. Everybody, for Campbell's talk, soup. Yeah, everybody talks soup. Everybody talks to him. Commercial, and then a few trite comments about the game. Okay, yeah. see you later.
1: Yeah, and so that, and but the thing is, this is a Super Bowl from Milwaukee. We we could have you can drive there. It's the only Super Bowl we able to drive to.
0: Right, exactly. But they
1: said for the cheap, programming cheap. thing, it's just not worth the. I know effort.
0: That's a whole nother podcast for another day. Yeah, that's value true. or lack of value in a radio row appearance. Yeah. I believe from just what I've heard that this might be one of the lightest attended media Super Bowls ever. I, that more and more companies are saying and more and more broadcast entities are saying, you know what, we're just not going to go. Yeah.
1: If your team is in it, it's fantastic because everybody's talking about your team. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced that when the Packers were in Dallas. And if it's not, then you can get people to talk and you can get stories from guys about, you know, the odd, you know, when uh, – Bill Romanowski comes by to schlep his vitamins oh, Jesus, or smoothies no, or whatever no. it is. I can no, ask him about Bill the Super Romanowski. Bowl when the right. when the Broncos beat the Packers, and he's got good stories and people like that. But other than that, eh.
0: There's a former Jet quarterback that talks about uh, depression and some other addiction issue. Uh, nice guy, good talker. Oh, I can't remember his name. It's killing me. But he's been there the last several years, and every time I go, I'm like, I don't want to talk to that guy. I really don't. We interviewed him last year. I'm not going to do it There's
1: plenty of depression on Radio Row, so he's in the right place. That's true. But,
0: (laughs) see, it's always been like a bit of a a convention. Yeah. A convention for our industry. But it's a convention in which there's no actual meaningful seminars that, you know, help share information about how to make money for your station or how to do better at this. It's just a lot of suspicious peering at other radio shows going, that guy sucks. I'm better than him. Yeah. I know more about jealous of, of their setup. They've got
1: helmets and they've got cameras. Right, and they're, right. They're Facebook living, and we're not. And <laughs> exactly. yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's I an wonder arms if race. stations
0: are still doing the video streaming, the complicated setups that required three or four extra guys and all that equipment, just to send a video back via the internet. Of well, here's our afternoon show. Well, you can go Facebook live from a phone.
1: Rome. Why? Well, you know, it doesn't even take a lot of stuff. You know,
0: not now it doesn't. But no. did you remember seeing? those Oh setups yeah, from the those past, setups right? were
1: ridiculous. Yeah, it was an arms race. Yeah,
0: <laughs> an arms race to nowhere to yeah. conquer what? Here, here's your for qu- what here- financial gain.
1: Here's the question because I've been telling, I've been beating the the, the drums here because I'd rather go to spring training because people have flipped the switch. It's a dead time for content before the NCAA tournament fires up. You know, and it's. The spring training is a relaxed, you can get access to everybody, and I think yes, that's more interesting yes, yes. than the canned. Hey, and Larry Zonka's coming through. He's in, right. got his Hall of Fame jacket on. Let's talk to him. Right. You know? And
0: all that is true, Drew. All that is 100% true, but you're forgetting it's baseball.
1: Yeah, it's Lord, Lord football rules. I get it. I get it. <laughs>
0: Sorry, you baseball head. I know. <sighs> but it's still baseball. You're talking, how's our middle relief? Yeah. Can our middle exactly. relief hold up against the lefties that are in our division, uh, the hitters that we're worried about? And then people go, "Damn it, I don't want to talk about this right now." Okay, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about going through a Eagles tailgate as a Viking fan. I'm gonna play some audio here, which normally I'd say, "God, I need to screen this to see if there's any expletives," but eh, it's a podcast. Fuck it, let's see what it sounds like. This was the view. They're skull chanting him right now. Buffering, buffering, buffering. God bless the Internet.
1: (laughs) How many people were in this Vikings parade?
0: Now, that was fairly mild because I saw worse elsewhere on the Internet. I would never in a million years fly colors in Philadelphia. Just would not do it.
1: No, that is not the place. You got to have uh, balls of steel to do that. There's no way. I, I talked to. balls
0: a, of steel and the bird of a brain. Yeah. Or the bird of a the, brain. The, the brain, brain, brain <laughs> of a bird. Good, I, yeah, talk much. These I got days? you.
1: I got you. I had a, a, a buddy of mine, a, a guy that's on in the uh, Milwaukee market, does TV, Stephen Watson from WISN 12. Yeah. Yeah. He was born and raised in Philadelphia. And he went to the game, and he wore his Eagles jersey, and so he's an Eagles fan. But he was telling me a story about 2008 at Miller Park. Um, the the Phillies were against facing the Brewers in the wild card round, right? It was The Brewers returned to the playoffs first time since 1982. And he went sporting a Chase Utley jersey and went with family members and was walking through the, the stands. And he said, walking through the, the – just like this, walking through the parking lot and stuff – People were offering him beer, shaking his hand, you know, best of luck. You know, they were But that's, that's you guys brats. in the Midwest. Yeah, that's it's Midwest, Midwest. Midwest. not that's, Philadelphia. Yes.
0: Right. I remember going to a Packer game against the Cowboys uh, when uh, this was, I guess, six years ago maybe. And the Cowboys were good. They weren't really good, but, you know, they were good enough, and so it was a big game. And there were fans, Cowboy fans, wearing Michael Irvin jerseys, just getting welcomed over to, hey, you want a brat? Like, it's no big deal. There was absolutely none of that walking around. But that's you guys. That's not Philadelphia. It's not Boston. It's not New York or New Jersey. It's not even Chicago. Like, it's unique to you guys. Other stadiums and other places, and I'll include the Redskins in in the mix as well, you're just begging for one really drunk parolee who's having a bad day because his bitch ex-wife or girlfriend won't stop (laughs) texting him saying, I'm taking the dog, I'm taking the kids, I'm going to clean out your bank account, who's nine beers deep, who decides, oh, good, here's a shithead in the other team's jersey. I'm going to let him have all of my frustrations right now. There's no cops around me, at least none that I can see. I'm out here in the middle of a huge parking lot. Why not pick up this beer that's half full and whip it at his head? Next thing you know, because you're flying colors of your favorite team, you've got a dislocated orbital socket, and your vision is now maybe never going to be 2020 again. Why? Why would you ever risk that as a normal human being who wants to have a real life?
1: That It's just not worth it. You're right. Why would you? Um, you, can, you can enjoy a game without you know, sporting the colors.
0: Yeah, go incognito, or put the colors deep under your overcoat and then bust them out once you're at least inside the stadium where you're going to – I mean, you're still going to be potentially assaulted inside the stadium wearing the other team's colors, but at least you're not walking through a horde of tailgaters wearing your colors. Yeah. The, okay. you,
1: see, you saw the way the Vikings bus was treated on its way out of the stadium.
0: Yeah, Exactly. All right. You asked a question on Twitter, Drew, about why don't the why doesn't the average fan appreciate and or somewhat worship the tandem of Belichick and Brady, a la? Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan during the Bulls heyday and the Bulls dynasty. Is that my summarizing your question? Yeah, it was decently? I, I just
1: wondered why, because I, I my whole thing on Monday was bend the knee. They're the greatest, and Brady's the greatest, and he's like Jordan. You know, He's Jordan-esque. He's as close as the NFL will get to a Michael sure. Jordan, perhaps. Clutch, totally clutch. Clutch, totally clutch. And I have this argument with another buddy of mine who always says, oh, Joe Montana never lost a Super Bowl, and I'm like, yeah, he didn't go to eight. He went to four and he won them all. But if he had gone to eight, he might have been four and four.
0: <laughs> Eventually, someone would be beaten him. Exactly. Plus, so, that's pre that's pre free agency. But that it, Montana's playing in, so they're good a, teams. A number of good. factors.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A number of factors. But here's the thing um, with the Patriots. I, I look at the societal and sociological implications of social media. And, you know, Jordan didn't play in the social media era. We, we're a much more hateful, spiteful society now than we were then. By,
0: by the way, how much of an asshole would Jordan have been on Twitter if, oh my if God. there was Twitter? Or Couldn't would he even have been, imagine. Or, or would he just have not, like, you wonder.
1: He wouldn't have been able to contain himself. But he was also perfectly groomed and manicured by Nike, McDonald's, and Gatorade. And Tiger Woods, to an extent, was too. We saw what kind of person he was later. He wasn't the flossed-up, glossed-up you know, guy that we thought he was. You know, he True. was still successful.
0: I wonder if Jordan would be as much of a sensitive bitch as today's NBA superstars are.
1: I think he would have been right at the fore of it. You do? Yeah.
0: With social media, yeah. that oh. he would have been worn down by people no criticizing. No doubt. Like, how would Jordan have handled... See- when he turned to 45 and ended up dribbling the basketball off his leg out of bounds against Orlando and knocking the Bulls out of the playoffs after his ill-fated stint with baseball imagine twitter with jordan when he's playing baseball and the abuse he'd get on twitter oh god for it would have been insane or it would have been insane in the, minors.
1: the people pulled for the bulls the bulls were a rival of the bucks they would come up here their fans would take over and stuff we didn't really like that but it, the jordan impact was he was such a show that you wanted him to score 50, but you wanted your team to win, generally. But then yeah. but then, when the Bulls marched through the playoffs, everybody was a Bulls fan. Everybody was cheering for Jordan. That doesn't happen with the Patriots, so I just wanted to know why. Why? And I'll,
0: I'll the, give you my theory, and then you can tell me what okay. your listeners said was their operative theory. And my theory is simply that football is completely different. It's the most tribal of sports. And so the tribal hatreds and the tribal rivalries and grievances endure, and they supersede everything else that – there are very few tourist NFL fans who just say, "Well, that Brady's great and Belichick's great." I'm now going to root for them to win it all. That's my theory.
1: That that's a good theory. That's part well, of it. The what in- was
0: the prevailing sentiment from? Well, your
1: it was, you know because of Deflate Gate and cheating and you know the the perception. My, my thing was that yes, Belichick's a nozzle. You know, he's guys yes. who know him say he's a great guy, but at the podium a he's a nozzle. At the he's an asshole. He dresses like a homeless guy. There's nothing likable about him, and he's other than Brady, the face of that organization. And he's he dressed like a homeless behind guy
0: him. on purpose. Yes, as almost like kitsch. Yeah, to be kind of cool. Like, oh, look at me! I cut off the sleeves. All oh, I of care this about is football. We're on to Jacksonville. Yeah, and
1: he, he's a he's a prong. So there's that part of it. There's also you're right. The NBA did a great job of marketing its stars. And they used to do that, you know. It was never, it was never like you know Boston against uh, L. A. It was Bird against Magic. They sure. even going way back. It was always the Stars. When the NFL, as you're right, is more tribal in its teams, and it's easier to hate a team okay. like that. that is that's Brady part hateable of it. Um, in, in a, a way, sense. too perfect. Yes, he's he's a little bit hateable. He shouldn't be, but he is. Um, a okay. little bit. I mean, like look, look, did Jordan did...
0: Gate damage Brady's reputation. Yes, yes. Because why?
1: because people perceive that he was looking at that advantage and you know thrown away the cell phone and you know, nobody Do you
0: remember his answer Drew when he was asked uh, in some interview setting I forget what it was do you, do you, are, you are you a cheater do you remember that question?
1: I don't remember his answer but I remember that His
0: answer was I don't think I am I don't ah, think I am Ah see that's a very interesting answer Because he probably realized if some shit comes out that proves without any question that I, in fact, broke NFL rules or protocol, hence cheated, then he can always fall back on, well, I don't consider myself a cheater. What witness
1: protection program did they put those equipment guys in cuz nobody's heard from them ever. Uh, they've been
0: fired. Yeah, they were well, they've they've been, they've let been go. fired, but
1: they also must have signed NDAs be or uh, you know.
0: Well, I bet they're on some sort of program from the Patriots to, you know, shut don't up. Don't write a book. Exactly.
1: Because where why haven't they? Where's their loyalty?
0: They're getting paid. What's but uh, Drew would be the shortest book ever. I took the footballs out to the field and gave them to the referees just as they wanted. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right they got some they got some stormy daniels checks man (laughs) they got stormy daniels checks out there those guys did no but i i
0: I, for one don't hate the patriots and i don't hate brady or belichick i do marvel at what they're doing and how they're doing it i think it's dangerous the game they play pushing the envelope on all these things you know like injury reporting and everything else but They're just better. Their shit is better better than your shit in every way possible. And
1: that spun us into the Jordan discussion, spun us down another street, Zabe, which was if Vince Lombardi and the Packers were in in the current era, would Lombardi be hated and would the Packers have been hated? Absolutely.
0: Interesting. Vince Lombardi with a Twitter account, go. Okay, I'm just kidding (laughs) about that. I got time for this, Twitter? What am I doing here? You got to... You got a tweet here and a oh, tweet God, there, yeah. and you're trying to hit the sweet spot <laughs> of the funny tweet right here up the alley. Oh, fantastic. good. All right, so you like the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I do. You're just all about bending the knee. You think Bend the, the knee. This, the Eagles have no chance. It's a coronation. I think you wrong about that, it, but we'll see. They're going to play the game no matter hey, what. Rocky was from Philadelphia. Weeks, in less than two weeks. Rocky
1: was from Philadelphia, but he lost the first fight. Good
0: point. Point taken. Okay, the Bucks have fired Jason Kidd in your backyard. Your thoughts, Gil.
1: Uh Jason Kidd, it was coming. I, I don't think he was a great coach. Uh, kinda, he always had this kind of shady vibe. He came in under kind of shady, murky circumstances. He he did have some impact, took them as far as he could go, and I thought this season was a referendum on him. He was either you know sink or swim, and I think the ownership got spooked that they're only 500 with one of the top five players in the world and that they should be – uh, they should be better than the eighth eight line because they're not going to yeah. win a playoff series at the eight line. You got to be at the the five at a minimum to win a playoff series. So,
0: is it especially frustrating up there, given that this was to be a move year for the Bucks? You well, were going to make a move,
1: the, right? the move. Everybody. The baseline is win a playoff series. They haven't done that since two thousand one.
0: But they this was a year series. in which the Bucs were supposed to kind of sort of arrive in the East, right with yeah. the, with the rise sure. of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Absolutely. Still can't say that this name. this was going to be a movie. Attenticampo. Yeah, Giannis Attenticampo. This was the year that you were supposed to arrive to some degree and be a top half of the bracket entrant yeah. in the East. They made a move. Happening. They
1: got Eric Bledsoe. Um they play play better for a spell but they're still wildly inconsistent. The only thing consistent about them is their inconsistency. Yeah. The defense, well, I feel the that scrambling defense is, is just, it's been proven not to work too. Jason Kidd's like that
0: scrambling. You yeah, know. scramble, press, and trap kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that, that, that stuff. That, t- and they well, give you know up why an open corner three. Because these guys don't want to fucking do that that hard every <laughs> night for 81 nights. They well, just don't.
1: And because guys don't miss open corner threes, which the Bucks give up like Halloween
0: candy. <laughs> that is true. In college, you force a hectic open corner three. It's good defense because college kids will miss that a lot more than pro players who drain that shit all day, every day. Well, I feel the same way about my Wizards in that this was supposed to be, if not a move year, an arrive year for us. And they are languishing right now. And the Wizards had a players-only meeting, Drew, that backfired. According to John Wall, yeah, some guys took it the wrong way. I think it hurt our team. (laughs) How oh, funny is that? Normally a players-only meeting is the equivalent of throwing your empty gun with no bullets at the enemy. <laughs> it doesn't true. work, but you figure, what the fuck, I've got nothing else to do here. Our players-only meeting actually shot us in the face, according That's to John Wall.
1: Hilarious.
0: So we got that going My for us. favorite
1: players-only meeting story, you know, that you're right, they are. It's an old cliche, and oh, who's going to call it, and who's going to talk, and it's just... Right? I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and just see how clumsy they are and stuff, and how stilted but yeah. back when the diamondbacks were good the i think it was the year they won the world series damian miller who's a cheeser from lacrosse great guy played for the brewers for a while he was their catcher and i asked him about a players only meeting when they were struggling one time and he said yeah we only have them on days when Schilling or johnson pitches we're not fucking dummies because then we go out and win and everybody says oh players only meeting helped <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was, when they're predisposed to win a game they would have the meeting
0: very good. And the brewers have put in a bid for you Darvish. Unlikely to get them, but do you like the fact that your small market brew crew is at least finding their hey, wallet to try to be a bidder on some big name free agent? They're in
1: there scrapping. They're probably being used as leverage to get a better offer from somebody else, but it is nice that they're, you know, and and in this market, the weirdness of this market, why not, you know, make okay. make a run cuz at the end of the, the music's going to stop and there's going to be a lot of guys without chairs, so you might as well have an offer in there.
0: Do you have a 60 second take on this amazingly frozen free agent market where there's 125 free agents still without a job with uh, 23 days left before pitchers and catchers it, report?
1: It, it's stunning. And the thing that I keep going back to is in, in the arbitration process, uh, I've always talked to people about this how warped that is that you go in and you have to talk about what a big piece of shit one of your best players is and try to keep the, mo- the money down. And
0: right, this guy sucks. He sits He's in so the room while you run money. him down
1: and give him reasons to hate you and not want to sign with your team ever again. And right. th- basically what we have here is, uh, with all the analytics and everything, they've come around to the idea that most players do kind of suck, especially <laughs> at the time when you're going to give them big money. The return on investment and big deals for guys that are north of 30, it's ridiculous. The guys who the have value. they
0: say most guys kind of suck. Yeah.
1: The guys who have value are the guys between twenty-two and twenty-eight, and, and we end up and we're going to pay two hundred million to guys who are already beyond yeah. that, and their effectiveness they're used up. So it's the, the the industry's upside down, and they're realizing this. And there's been an outbreak of fiscal sanity, whereas before they just couldn't stop themselves from giving people yeah. hundred million dollars.
0: It's almost like what they learned in football a long time ago has finally come to baseball. That no, it's not, you know, 30 is not a death sentence in baseball by any means, but you're not as good as when you're 26.
1: Exactly. Uh, and you peak at 27, and then you're paying for the downslope, and it does, especially the Brewers have been burned signing 32-year-old pitchers to four-year deals. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure the agents are going to have a very nervous month here leading up to the report of no pitchers doubt. And catchers. Okay, time to play one of our favorite little mini-games. You know it. You love it. <laughs> CeeLo Green, take it away. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. All right, Drew Olson, who is your FTG of the week?
1: I don't have just one. I'm not going to limit myself. I'm going to go to the tens of thousands of douchebags on Twitter. That's... A specific guy on Twitter.
0: Okay, what specific guy on Twitter earns your fuck specific that specific guy, guy on this Twitter? Week.
1: Well, you know how people don't call sports radio shows like they used to, so we have to get the conversation going on Twitter. And I noted okay. last last week that Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers, uh, the word came out that she she told us that it, that they work out together. Yeah, and I raised She's the question. Very
0: fit by the way, Holy she crap. is. Oh,
1: so I raised the question to the smart, good-looking people who listen to the Droulson Show. I said, Do you work out or play sports with your significant other? Is that fun, frustrating, or something you avoid altogether? Okay. You, like, is that where you go to for sanctuary or is it an activity okay. just as a discussion, right? It's good. I like a little it. topical little little, you know. Yeah. Packers are done. And then I get a reply from a guy named Matt Bremmer who sent me the gif of Peter Griffin saying, "Oh my god, who the hell cares?" <laughs> right? <laughs> so I dial up Mr. Matt Bremmer's uh, Twitter profile. Yeah. And there's, you know, he's he's all Packers. He's got Packers wallpaper and it's a picture of him, the avatar is him. Wearing a Packer jersey at Lambeau Field, taking a selfie—you know—with Lambeau Field as the backdrop, right? Yeah. And his little, uh, his little quote is, "I'm awkward, hopeless, and desperate for love." Chandler Bing.
0: Oh my God! And I thought about and whether he was capping on you, yes. for saying, "Oh my, oh my God, God who, who the hell cares?"
1: So I thought about—was this, this guy in him.
0: shape, or was this guy his shape round?
1: Uh, he looks like just your normal jabron. You know, normal Wisconsin Jabril. Pretty much. And so I, w- I thought about, well, should I bla- blast this guy or what? And so I quote, quoted the tweet, and I said, uh, I understand your disinterest. The question was for people in relationships.
0: Oh! Shots
1: fired. Shots fired. But my thing is, people who reply to tweets with, who the fuck cares? Why are you asking this? Who gives a shit? Apparently you do. Unfollow you me, motherfucker. You so replied. For everybody,
0: so for everybody out there that replies to any question on twitter with who cares drew olson you say fuck that guy yeah, yeah well done did you patch it up with uh, that guy or no i roasted him and right he disappeared
1: now? a lot of people were like just like had the reaction you did, like oh burn shots fired and he's he
0: slunk back into the ether of the internet
1: yes he did <laughs>
0: Do you feel bad that you left it on Bad I, I kind
1: of do because, you know, I try. I don't want to alienate people who might listen to the show. But a lot of people who on Twitter, as you know, don't listen to your work product. And True. they don't know that you're in the moment of the show. You're talking about stuff. And that's, you know, you have to kind of be listening. We consider it an extension of the audience, an extension of the radio show.
0: Do you ever at people?
1: Uh, and when I'm talking about them? Like, you mean players and stuff or?
0: You know, do you at people? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Do you add people in a negative way or a complimentary way? I'll only at somebody if it's either a compliment or a promotion or a plug or something that's friendly. I don't at people to try to agitate or start shit.
1: No, that's just it. I don't. I don't generally want to roast people. But if you're having discussions and you reply, aren't you adding them now? And people can see that. No, adding so. is adding. Oh, oh,
0: that's where the phrase "Don't at me."
1: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Where, I where mean,
0: you make sure you've got a rebuttal to a certain person, and you make sure they see it because you're atting yeah. them.
1: I will. Well, see, if it's, I consider it a conversation, so then I would at them, but, you know, I'm not going to DM them, but I will at them.
0: Very good. You can follow Twitter and definitely blast. You can follow Drew on Twitter, thank yes. you. Yes. You can follow Drew on Twitter and definitely at him and blast him and, and – Just drive him crazy on the internet because it's my favorite thing to say. It is. At At Drew Wilson, MKE. I'll take it. Drew Wilson, MKE. Listen to his radio show up there on the Big 920 in Milwaukee. And, Drew, we will see you next week. Yes, Zabe,
1: I got one last bit for you. Yes, sir. Um, My good friend Matt Vaskersian is a finalist for Sunday Night Baseball play-by-play gig.
0: That guy's really, really good at what he does. I hope he gets the job. He's
1: fantastic. I don't know if it's a fit with the culture of Bristol, but he's so good and uh, reports now that he is uh, a finalist for that gig. On so it's a plum seat, and it would be great to see Matt get it.
0: Are you asking me? Can I do anything for him?
1: Yeah, you know, just you want to just you, do know, you want a Twitter
0: campaign rally put the Vast troops, Gershyn into Sunday
1: night fo- baseball, yeah, higher vescersion. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think that would be amazing. Um, right, very good. He might be with A <laughs> well, uh, you know, Rod though. Well,
0: A Rod and Matty. A Rod another time. That's an interesting scenario with him these days. Absolutely. All right, Drew. Good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks, All right, buddy. You bet. There you go. Here's your goodbye story for the day, and this is going to, I think, increasingly be a problem going forward. Headline, fur and fury at 40,000 feet as more people bring animals on planes under the guise of emotional support. Oh boy. Story incident: An incident in this story Washington Post chronicles a man flying on Delta who did not have a pet with him, was just a regular schmo trying to get home or get to a business meeting, and he goes to his row and he finds in the middle seat a man with a service animal supposedly on his lap, a 50-pound Labrador mix. The man squeezes by the lab, sits down in his seat, and instantly gets savagely attacked Bitten, 50 stitches in his face, scars to this day. Talk about a nightmare. That's the worst case scenario. I think more lighthearted scenarios involve you getting on a plane and then seeing somebody's emotional support duck. That's right, duck. Walk on down the aisle. I'm looking at a picture right now of Daniel, an emotional support duck, wearing little stockings on his webbed feet. With his little claws sticking out. (laughs) Now that I wouldn't care about a duck. But there are stories here of people with lap dogs that won't stop barking. Kittens that take a piss on the tray tables. And other nightmares. And apparently the number of people applying for and getting permits to bring on emotional support pets on airplanes has risen 150% in the last year alone. This is going to be a problem. I'm sensitive to people that need pets to keep them calm, and they should have an ability to fly around the country like everyone else. But the rest of us, especially those of us that may be allergic to pet dander and or other stuff, or just are terrified of dogs. There are a lot of people that are terrified of dogs. Shouldn't have to sit next to one and shouldn't have their face nearly bitten off. To be continued. Thank you for listening, everybody, to the ZabeCast. Make sure to tell two friends, download, subscribe at iTunes and Google Play and wherever else you get your podcasts. Email me, Zabe, at yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Zabe, and, of course, keep an eye on Zabe.com for additional content in other media platforms. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time.